So there's a question from yesterday about the nature of citta. I was sort of you know, wonder about the you know, how much theory or language explanation is helpful. The word actually has been is explained or presented in slightly different ways in the suttas and the in the Abhidharma. Abhidharma, which is somewhat later presentation, has it as kind of like a mind moments, and the citta uh, in the suttas is expressed or presented few different ways, often seen as that which is affected. So that heart, that which is affected and responds, is affected by greed, joy, generosity, aversion, and so forth. Sometimes it carries a sense of a kind of a quality of intention to it because of its potential for responsiveness. It's affected and responds. This is the the chitta in its activated state. There's also the chitta experienced as um, liberated and uh, gone to cessation. Mm. freed from grasping oh, and then this is called deathless deathless citta liberated citta uh, and uh, a phrase that is, is, is occurs a few times one uh, directs one's citta towards the aggregates Thus, so it's something that can stand apart from the aggregates and also be directed. In this way, we might call it awareness. It's said to. Be, it's also experiences the fundamental sense of me. When we say something's happening to me. And that's the me is jitta. So it's the subjective core of experience, that which experience lands on. And as such, as you can see with even such a term, it's it's quite slippery because we often imagine me as my body or me as my mind or me as my, um, you know, kinds of things that I own. So it's very much like penetrating through those layers to the very sense of, you know, existence or subjectivity. And this depth of it is not, it's not an object, it's not something you can witness, you can witness what affects it. But you can't witness me. 
because what you witness is an object, not not a subject. It's always something that's there. So the very sense of here is jitta. It can't ever be something that you can see or point to because it's the here from where the pointing emanates. That's the intention, attention. So so jitta is, um, in its its essence, is is not, is trackless, uh, non-discernible. But it is also wrapped up in what are called the aggregates. Feeling. So me is always affected with my feelings. Feelings are happening to me. Rupa, form, is happening to me. I have a form. I am in form. Uh, Consciousness is happening to me. I am the one who sees things, hears things. Mm, That's me. Perceptions. Uh, my impressions, things that flash, recognize. Mm. And me gets the one who acts. Uh, Sankara's activations, intentions. Mm. That's why it's all wrapped up in these, what are called the, the aggregates. So, conditions for the jitter to understand is itself enough. And another question related to that, since I've mentioned these aggregates, this question is asking, I believe you suggested this is where things have to be undone. Could you explain how to approach this, please? So, that's what I've been doing um, but um, you know the approach is twofold essentially uh, steadying, grounding calming, earthing embodiment mm. so this is just to so the reckless the chitta that's affected by one of its primary um, you know Reactions or wrapping sankara is the primary problem of chitta because it, it activates, it gets activated, then it runs away, it runs into this, it runs into that, and as it runs into this and that, it activates consciousness, and we get another sight, another sound, another thought. He's running into this, running into that, running into this, running into that, searching for security or happiness or comfort, whatever. Sounds like a good idea, but he doesn't find it. This is the fundamental problem. It's always running out into consciousness, trying to find stability, happiness, release, and it doesn't find it in there. But then because the sixth sense fold consciousness is 
always waving and presenting new possibilities, it tries another avenue of the same paradigm. Sight, sound, touch, thought. Wriggle, shift, move, jump. And the um, what consciousness presents, perceptions, impressions, and feelings. So we run from this feeling to that feeling. Mm. So that's that's the that's the that's the movement. That's the sankara, the activation. Binds everything together because it keeps supporting this running on. So you know, essentially, to we start to try to check that running on, so it's not so, so it's restrained, and using the body, coming into the body, the grounding of the body, staying here, staying this, staying this. And even then it kind of wriggles and pushes, it goes to parts of the body, it doesn't want to go to the whole thing, it runs into corners, it uh, runs down familiar patterns, and, um, you know, or just spins out into, into thought. So, so this sense of grounding, earthing, and then supporting that with calming. So trying to, within the body's energy fields, one can find a little more quality of Energy itself can be calmed. Energy is the only thing that can be calmed. You can't calm sensation. But you can calm the energy that supports the sensation. So calming refers to the process of movement, doesn't it? What moves is energy. Clearly, energy is the moving quality. So if we are able to slow that down, spread it, you know, divert it, spread it, and you can do various things with energy, soften it, expand it. Um, it's a mobile medium. You know, so that we cultivate that. It gives the jitter something to move into that's actually less distracted. Because from there you can still be with, in the body, much of a way of operating or within the experience of sensations. As you can, as you can, the contraction that occurs around sensations or painful vedana, which is the primary problem. And as we keep coming across, we have ways which the, everything contracts and reacts to that and tenses up, and then the mental, emotional field starts getting agitated and unhappy, and then the whole thing cascades, doesn't it? So if we are trying to kind of capture the emotional energy with goodwill and then grounding awareness into the energy in the body so there's a tendency to contract around feeling you can see to expand around feeling from the painful places to the less painful places and you extend energy out into even to the space around you. So if you have the whole body and you maintain the sense of the whole body, then any pain in the local part will be considerably diminished because it's no longer something that your mind is just riveted on. You can get the whole thing. There's always some place that isn't so painful. And that easing of tension and restriction means the, the pain body is, is substantially... Uh, Reduced. Still, bodies experience pain. Yeah. So we can't necessarily 
you know, eliminate it, but you get to a point where it's just less, you know, you're not under the thumb of it all the time. But it does require steadying, calming, and uh, so, you know, in this way we are <coughs> really starting to work on on um, changing our response to feeling. And feeling is, feeling and sankara, well, they're all pretty pretty dynamic um, and captivating. So this captivation is called clinging. It means that feeling happens and immediately that, you know, oh no, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that grab is called clinging or it's not that you choose to do it or want to do it, it's just that's, that's the reactivity. And we try to also lever some of that open to be more spacious around unpleasant feeling, which is the thing that really pushes, or spacious around pleasant feeling, which is the thing that really drags us in. But it doesn't mean they don't exist. So the refrain in in the Satipatthana is one knows this is a painful feeling, is a painful feeling. (laughs) And you think, what does he do about it? Everybody knows that. <laughs> no, they don't. Most people know a painful feeling as I'm in pain. <laughs> There's a difference. Because <laughs> I, then I am. The subject is welded to, to the feeling. So as we've, and there's that, that difference which seems just linguistic, but it actually is a degree of separation. And then we sense then increasing, you feel the sense of separation, which is a detachment, as I mentioned it, non-involvement, dispassion, become more, that's, you know, that's the way it is, that's the deal with bodies, okay, so, you know, sense of, there's a quality then of, of chitta, become another quality of chitta, the chitta that, moves towards release. So the jitta isn't just completely blind and stupid and reactive. It certainly it's affected by ignorance, but it's, it's not ignorant. It's affected by it. So it's also available for wisdom, dispassion and liberation, otherwise there would be no, no way out of this. So we're really recognizing, remembering and you're acting upon and, re- and respecting the power of the, of the chitta as an agent for release. Yeah. And this respect is not just a matter of you know, tipping one's hat in that direction. But really, when the crunch comes, you know, going to awareness. Um, you yeah. know, of the feeling. So this is, you know, starting to unbind this clinging, this reactivity, this obsession with feeling. Now we can also recognize perception. You know, you can know 
you know, we see this as a beautiful sight. We see this as an ugly sight. We see this as a friendly place. We see this as a place with unfriendliness. We see a place of enemies or strangers or welcome. And, you know, at any any moment, some of these perceptions can suddenly slip and slide into, into, and we say this is the karmic, that is the perceptions are learned. The mental perceptions are learned. When I say learned, it means they are um, not you don't sit down and study them, but when you you know first arise in the world, there's no particular yeah, no anything really. You're seeing, touching, tasting, and then you start to know pleasure, pain. Yeah, oh. But then over a period of time you begin to learn this is where you get, you know, blamed. This is where you get cuddled. This is where you get pushed out. This is where you get welcomed, you know. So this establishes perceptual signs and signals. And over, as you grow up, all that is getting more and more detail on it. People call you names. People, you know, do unpleasant things to you. And you learn, your mind learns that. Your heart learns that. It's very sensitive, particularly to human contact. So that establishes, we're ready to see or to perceive those signs. You know, a sign of dis- what we see as disapproval. You know, see as authority figures. We see as, you know, the kinds of things that we get a flash impression of. Yeah, and this is the basis of a huge amount of human stress and, and dissonance. You see people, you know, and then you have to kind of, you learn to be racist or something like that. You don't go to a school for it, you just pick up those responses and reactions because other people are doing it. You know, whatever you think, whatever things happen, people are infected with these perceptions, perceptual tints and biases. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then it's, it can be confirmed because you have groups of people who follow the same perceptions or have similar things. Anyway, it's a long story there, but, you know, essentially, then what, you know, often this accumulation of all these signs and signals, builds up a sense of self. This is my reality is this way. I learn how to react in these particular ways because that's how I've learned to to react in, in that, respond in that. Yeah. This is to be, to be aware of. And because the perception generates an impulse, which is the sankara, the reactivity, you know, the impulse, the grab, the seizure, the alarm, the blaming, the hurting, and so forth. So then this is how it gets perpetuated. Because every time we react to it, we ink it in a little bit stronger. Ink it in a little bit stronger. So essentially, you know, if you don't keep reacting to it, you start to, the ink fades. Your perception. So this is essentially the, 
you know, the process of how awareness can help to acknowledge and then generate or add some space, a loving acceptance, coolness around these perceptions and feelings that occur. If that isn't done, then what happens is they're reacted to and we ink them in, or something inks them in, makes them even more entrenched. So we, you know, we have those alternatives. Yeah. And so you realize that, you know, if you don't, if you, you know, putting it very bluntly, you know, if you don't get that awareness of, of feeling perception and reaction, you don't get that there and start to place that in there, then basically you kick the can down the road. In other words, it's going to continue and you have to deal with it another time, another time, another time. That's karma. We as to our karma. So it's it's placing, prioritizing this uh, quality of awareness, and we might again say, "Well, what's awareness?" Well, <laughs> you know, that's jitta. You can't really see it because it's 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 not an object, but uh, it becomes more. Uh, Realized, we call it. I mean, you, you, you don't certainly see it as an object. You feel, you experience space. You experience the ceasing or the calming of the sankara, the activations. Again, to that's strange. Instead of that jump, I'm witnessing irritation. Instead of that, immediately. You know, <laughs> I'm witnessing that, ah, and then I can feel it in my my body. So I'm, now I'm opening and witnessing it, and coming to awareness that that checks. Then there's a possibility of in that checking to widen. It's just that. It's just that detail that bugged me. I widen. Yeah, well, you know. There's other, it's not the only thing happening. So the, the mesmerizing power of perception is that we take a specific detail and blow it up to be the, 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 the only story. So perception takes a point and expands it into an overall flash. You know, somebody gives you one look and you get that one moment of being looked at and flash. You know, we get the whole thing of people and what I am, what I've done something wrong and stuff like that. Out of that one moment, you just pause. You know, actually, things have changed, and you know, both in the object and also when one when the sankara is held, restrained, just paused on. There's a possibility also feeling that surge of reactivity, softening. Ah, oh, not the same there's another you know I, there's a sense of you know the whatever's been activated but now I feel a little less intense about it spacious around it that's different and from that maybe then I could introduce now I've got a little more room I could remember this too will pass yeah you know if he's looking hostile maybe he's having a bad day so 
you know, uh, is that necessarily me? Uh, or maybe it just looks like that. You know, we, we don't rivet these things as, as solid realities. You just keep it, keep rea- keep experience pretty, uh-huh, maybe so. Don't be convinced by it. Perception is very convincing. But recommendation is, yeah, there's an element of truth in it. But the probably most truthful bit is, that's your trigger. <laughs> that's true. The rest of it, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so this process of grounding and then awareness of these aggregates as they are. Yeah. And this sound a bit theoretical, I apologize for that, but this is a map, so like all maps, you have to walk on the country through the countryside, not on the map. But the idea it's quite a useful map. Buddha presented that because it does strip down the complexities of our experience to particular modalities. And really, the aggregates are, are again just the. They can. They're. They're. They're not a fundamentally real independent things. They're just the way the experience presents itself. So we might say, you know, you example, you look at an apple and you see the color, and you see the shape, and you see the sheen, you know, whether it's shiny or not, and you see the size. And they're all together. You can't say, oh, we'll take the color off the apple and put it over there. <laughs> and this is the shape of the apple, and we'll put it there. It's all built in together, but we can first of all contemplate the shape, or the colour, or the size, or the gloss, or what it, whether we think it's ripe or not. All those are built into that experience. So in this map, we're kind of just separating some of the some of those features. They're all bound up together. Yeah, but the real um, first unwrapping is has to be the one that can be unwrapped. One that can be unwrapped and can. Um, be calmed and allayed is the sankara, which is that reactivity. Very simply, it's the reactivity that stitches everything up and throws you into the next moment of prolifer- mental proliferation or reactivity. And it, you can feel it in your body. Something runs up in the embodiment. You know, there's that. And this, that's just, you know. So that. Then the more that one does that, the, you know, the, in the, you know, then the, the, the unbinding, as it's called, the sankara is the really stitches it all together, and is that is cooled and loosened. It isn't everything's not bind so, bound so tightly. You get that's not so nice, but mm-hmm. the mental reaction can fade. Yeah. So this is, uh, um, you know, and through that particularly, you know, the karma, that is the, the perceptions and the habits can recede and fade and lose their power. And that it makes, maybe that doesn't sound 
so interesting. If you, you really get what I'm talking, what it's about, that is very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, because you know, a self without perceptions is not not pertainable, because the personal self is just the accumulation of perceptions and sankharas. If those cease or change. You know, then the whole sense of being a besieged, trapped person also ceases, fades, and then it's just the subjectivity. I mean, yeah, you have to you have to listen to think about this <laughs> if you want to go any further with it. I don't want to keep adding more to it because I'll probably make it more confusing. But this is what we're doing, really, or well, I'm, I'm working anyway. Um, these, this, this clinging, the aggregation, and through through grounding, embodied awareness. And so, in that process, it becomes possible to begin to acknowledge this, the, de- the degrees of liberation. Yeah. So again, it's not really an object, it's a sense of, oh, you know, we're, we're, before that was that immediate, oh, yeah, 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 this is, you know, there's a sense of, mm. so the sign of change means that things begin to fade, and there's a sense of things fading into, well, you know, <laughs> So then, then what's that? It's not an object, but it certainly could be experienced as a shift of energy, a shift of reactivity. A sh- it's called peaceful, <laughs> and peace is an object, but it's a realization. So, another question here about. Patience. Could you talk about the quote patience that crosses over? So this is something that I said in an interview to to the yogi who's asking the question. So she heard this phrase and it struck her strongly. Um, so she wants to pick up on it. Could say more about it. And what I said at that time was that uh, the Buddha overcame the host of Mara through patience and not any other means. So that was my statement. So, you know, the Buddha's enlightenment is is described in a number of ways. Um, Some he's talking about, you know, recollecting past lives and, and so on. Uh, yeah, but the often the the scene on the outside, sitting under the Bodhi tree, having been deserted by one and all, and you know, so quite alone, and then um, the host of Mara, which is all these forces of greed and avarice and. Hatred and negativity and fear and boredom and lethargy and lust, 
besieging this uh, the Buddha. So you probably noticed some of this happening. Mara has not works hard and never gives up. So you know, then the moment of a Buddha's kind of turning it round was called the earth touching when he places his touches his hand on the ground you know, and there's a sense of you know earthing grounding and then the phrases they used many times whenever Mara because Mara kept coming back even after his enlightenment Mara kept coming back so remember that too <laughs> And it kept coming back saying, no, you know, you're not really, come on, you're not really awakened, are you? You know, because you're doing this or that or the other, I've got you. And then what is that? No. So the Mara is, is almost, you know, um, woven into the sensory sphere. Because this is where the feeling and perceptions, these aggregates, so Mara, sometimes Mara is described as the five Maras actually. One is the Kanda Mara, which is the Mara of the aggregates. Uh, means this, this very quality of the aggregates itself is, another way of looking at it, is Mara, because it clings, it sticks, it pushes, it nags, it never lets you up, it never, let, you know, never, let, never lets down, and you're always trying to fight with it, struggle with it. Yeah. The, then, so that. And the Buddha's, the puts his hand and, and then there's a chant which says the Buddha overcame Mara through patience or Kanti and this um, clearly for a start the, the, you know, this, this word patience or Kanti is, is a very powerful um, word yeah. And we can see there are different kinds of patience. There's patience where you hang on until something ends. This is not the Buddha's patience. This is, you know, patience of waiting in a shopping queue or waiting for a bus. It's not the Buddha's patience. This is ordinary patience. There's patience that's patience where you're holding on to um, just avoid, you know, um, running away or trying to tough it out or be braver than something or and that's not the Buddha's patience either yeah this kind of patience because these are all personal patience and they're not they're you know they're, they're you know admirable in their own way better than blowing up getting but the the Buddha's patience is transpersonal yeah so the person can be a patient person thinking this will this will go away in the end I'll get somewhere else. Just wait a bit. That's personal patience. Transpersonal patience is this is the quality of patience I'm just focusing on that. There's no timeline. There's no end result. There's no this will get me out of this. There's, this will change in the end. There's none of that. It's just I'm focusing on the experience of holding patience, holding space, you know, so it's like, and all these, this is all called a parami, parami uh, means furthering or extension, that which tr- uh, transcends, it's literally uh, 
that which carries one across. From the personal to the transpersonal. And in the, the transpersonal is, is the uh, uh, a domain of the citta, an area of the citta whereby these universal virtues are there and we're entering in the domain of citta rather than the person. So, you know, all the Barami are made or become Buddha Barami by one quality which is called Aditana, or resolution. That's the one that, when you cultivate that purely, uh, no, just to cherish and value and hold the quality of patience itself. Yeah. Whether whatever's happening, whether it goes away or doesn't go away, it's the, you know, you're focusing purely on, on that quality itself. This is, uh, has a strength to it. Because the mind or the chitta begins to sense, rather than just the sensory sphere or the karmic sphere or the personal sphere, it begins to sense a transpersonal. Yeah. I don't know if I can make anything more of that, really. But the, when the person gives up, we come to another place. And people do this. You know, when the person gets to the end, or we then still, there can be a deepening, and we come into something where there's a strange strength, a strange, uh, yeah, strength there. And this is the strength of chitta, of awareness. And mm. before it comes into this personal thing with all these perceptions and qualifications, it's very, it's a primary strength. And then that you begin to realize chitta through that. Yeah, there's something here that's not me. There's me kind of fretting and worrying and so forth. And then there's this. Yeah, and it's patience and. Det- Aditana resolution are primary means for entering into that. So that's what I mean by crossing over. You cross over from the personal to the transpersonal, and you begin to realize you cross over from the person to chitta. Yeah. So in this way, the yogi says, you see how faith and determination serve as refuges. You know, so clearly, you all work it out for yourself. You know, this is my language, this is the language I'm using. But I do recommend you explore these qualities. Um, Resolution, commitment, you know, and then bearing that against this push of Mara, which is saying, oh, go on, give up, it doesn't really matter, everybody else is doing it anyway, tomorrow will be better. <laughs> Nobody's noticing, you know, this kind of Mara nudging all the time. You resist it, 
Nara's doesn't nudge, it starts punching, saying, you know, I'm going to really give you a hard time unless you do that. You know, so that's how you can tell you're hitting the, hitting the nerve, where Mara starts out whispering, gives you a nudge, and then as you hold ground, it starts punching. And then you keep holding the ground, and you go, hey, this isn't working. Hey, she's not giving, well, this isn't working. Where'd she go? She's gone. Where did he go? <laughs> Because you've gone to this transpersonal level. That's how the Buddha slipped out of the, of the grip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, patience is, um, you know, it's kind of, can be a very feeble word really, but kanti, sometimes endurance, forbearance. And this is a, we're considered was the primary um, teaching of what Bapong and Ajahn Chah and the forest tradition because it, it's pretty rugged, pretty uncomfortable um, and pretty uncertain. So all these things whereby you have to experience not knowing what's going on, you have to experience physical discomfort, um, all these challenges uh, and then you just the teaching is just be patient with it. Patient. Patient. To something in you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, in a way, you, you know, you, it's not great, but it's like, you sort of have, there can be even gratitude for, for these difficult things because they, they force me. You know, I wriggled like crazy. I screamed. I wriggled. I connived. I tried to do deals. It didn't work. Eventually, all I had to, the only thing I could do was develop parami, and it, it, Mara forced me into it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these are things we should we. I can only mention that, but you come around to it in your own time. As I say, pain, but clearly, you know, you're not trying to. You know, damage your body, so you make reasonable attempts, but there's emotional pain, sense of loneliness, feeling of disappointment with yourself, uh, emotional pain, just bear with it. Be patient with that. Patient with the raving, screaming mind. The discomfort of that. Patient with the heat or the thirst or the hunger. Patient with the sleepiness and the dullness, yeah. so then you've got something you can you can get a focus on, and it's uh, it takes you deeper, and you've developed resources that way, or they come to you. You know, someone who is very dishonoured and is a Buddhist. What is the most appropriate way to handle this person? If you have interact with this person, avoidance or minimum conversation? <laughs> well, dishonest Buddhists aren't any better than dishonest Christians or dishonest atheists. <laughs> They're just dishonest. <laughs> You know, so it's a kind of you can't. Yeah, so certainly somebody who vows to be a, 
follower of the Buddha, then the need to be reminded, aren't we supposed to be truthful? <laughs> Isn't that what it's about? <laughs> yeah. Mm. What would the Buddha say? Yeah. But there's only, you know, handling other people itself is a bit of a of a mistake, really. No, you can only handle your own frustration and disappointment that because you can get you really you can really handle that, and then you just you can hold the mirror up. Say, you know, this is what I'm seeing. You said this, this, and the other. Doesn't seem right to me. What do you think? <laughs> you know, but the idea you're going to sort somebody else out isn't going to happen, and. But just the statement of truth, your own truth. I see this. I don't feel convinced, and uh, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm con- concerned for your welfare because these, you follow these habits, there won't be any good. Mm. So you know, the degree to which we handle anybody, but you handle your your, your own. Mind you, jitta, and out of because we are relational beings, out of compassion, then rather than collude, you pause. Excuse me, I have to say something. This isn't quite right with me. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like this. How is that for you? Yeah, yeah, because the way the mind is, sometimes a person doesn't even know that they're being deceitful or you know, they just oh you know they're, they're either blurred mind blurs and so before you start judging people as this that and the other you know hold, hold, hold that for a moment or two and then just say what, what you feel say what you see and then ask the question, how is that for you? Maybe I've got it wrong. And this is the way you can feel you're dealing in a responsible and respectful way in terms of your relationship with other people. And is where is if we respect others, then we there is a certain obligation to be responsible. Respect people. You know? And it's oft mentioned, you know, that if you if you don't never take the chance to hold the mirror, then you're not really a friend. So let's um, pause there for the evening. Thank you. And something there that may have been useful for you. Um,